and you may be seated. So this morning's scripture comes from the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament, and the prophet Isaiah. It's in the sixth chapter, and it's the excerpt of certain verses from that uh, passage. It is a passage for Baccalaureate Sunday. The sermon is for our graduates, but I hope we'll speak to persons of all ages and every season. But the text that you're about to hear, the scripture, also gives us two things. First is Isaiah's vision of the Lord which is the scripture that gives us the words, the beautiful opening hymn, Holy, 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 which began our service of worship. And the closing of this text gives us the words of a challenge from God as God asks the question, whom shall I send into the world? In the sixth year the king died, I saw that the Lord, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up and up in the train of his robe filled the temple. Above God stood the angels, and one angel called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole world is full of his glory. And then a few verses later, Isaiah said, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then I said, here I am, send me. This sends the reading from the prophet Isaiah. And may these words which once transformed the disciples' hearts transform our hearts as well. Will you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of each of our hearts be offered humbly and faithfully. Amen. Well, it's Baccalaureate Sunday. It's a couple weeks early from the normal schedule, but given this being a COVID year, things got a little out of order. Normally, it's on graduation Sunday. But carry these words forth, graduates, because this is a remarkable milestone in your life. And the Isaiah passage, which I just read, contains a very compelling call. And it's a call to God, to our grad, from God to our graduates but also to each of us. And the call is really this, who will go forth into the world and carry my message of love and justice? And the response from the prophet Isaiah is, I'll go, here I am. Now, I understand, not just to our graduates, but to all of us, we expend a lot of our energy as autonomous beings trying to sort of shy away from answering the call. We're not really like Isaiah often, who says right away, I'll go, send me. Many of us very creatively find ways to, in effect, cover our ears to not hear the call. We want to pretend that God isn't calling each one of us to be Christ's disciple. I remember a young man, a few years older than our graduates, who came up for plenty of first steps, just like the younger children did today to stand before our seniors. He was probably four or five years old. There were like 30 children up here, and I was telling the story of the Good Samaritan, and most of the children sat very attentive, kind of with their 
chins in their hands. They were listening, and they listened to the story. The man was beaten, the people crossed the road, the, the, the religious leader crossed the road, only the Samaritans stopped. They were paying great attention, with the exception of one young boy. He was standing right about here. I saw him out of the corner of my eye. He was standing up while everyone else was seated. He was staring out at all of you, just like this, and doing this. He also happened to be my son. <laughs> so I understand. Many of us spend a fair amount of our energy trying to creatively cover our ears to avoid God's call to faithfulness, a call to love kindness and to do justice, a call to walk humbly with our God. But the prophet Isaiah offers us an alternative vision by answering, send me. It's a witness to how we might respond. And as we send our graduates forth, I have some thoughts for their journeys, but also some thoughts for your journey as well if you are not a graduate. And the seed of this sermon comes from one of my favorite writers from maybe 20 years or so ago. Her name was, she was a New York Times journalist by the name of Anna Quinlan. She also wrote about nine novels. She also, in my mind, composed one of the finest commencement speeches I've ever read. So I'm going to take three small teachings, small excerpts from her address, and interject some religious perspective and reflections on them. My hope is that her words will speak as powerfully, not only to those who are graduating in a couple of weeks, but to those who graduated 10 or 20 or 50 years ago. Her thoughts, I think, have a timeless quality. And her first piece of advice is this. I'll speak specifically to the graduates. You will walk out of your graduation with only one thing that no one else has. Hundreds of your peers will receive a diploma. Maybe hundreds of your peers will learn the same trade or go off to study at a different place. A couple of hundred people will want to do whatever you want to do. But you, you will be the only person alive with the sole custody of your life, your entire life. Not just your life, whatever happens to you after, after high school, or your life on a bus, or in a car, or your life at a computer. Not even just the life of your mind, but you have the sole custody of the life of your heart. You, you will have to be responsible to find a way to feed your God-given soul. And if you wish to feed your God-given soul, I'm hoping you'll remember this. Always, always love someone more than something. It's as simple as that, but it's hard to do. Always love someone more than something. To put a twist on an old saying about people who've come to the end of their earthly lives, but to put a twist on it, no one, no one has ever said at the end of their life, I wish I had loved less. No one. Well, Anna Quinlan started by saying, you are in charge of your life, the only one who's in charge of it. Then she continued her remarks with some things that might sound, I don't know, rather, sort of rather arrogant because said, let me lay out for you some really 
impressive parts of my resume. And I'm gonna tell you, she has an amazing resume. And she began by saying, I'm a good mother to three children. I've never let my profession stand in the way of being a good parent. And she said, by the way, graduates, one of the things about being a parent that you discover is that you are not the center of the universe. And so as a parent, I've tried to show up, I've tried to listen, I've tried to laugh. I'm a good friend of my spouse, she continued. I tried to make the marriage vows mean what they say. I show up, I listen, and in marriage, you have to laugh. I'm a good friend of my friends, she said, and they to me. I call them on the phone, I meet them for lunch, and yes, she said, I show up, I listen, I laugh. If I did not do these things, she continued, I'd be at best mediocre at everything else in my life. Because you never really be first rate. You can never really be who you want to be if your work is all you are. And so she said a good resume, not she didn't, I would say, a good resume includes love someone, love God more than something. And graduates, few stories witnessed that more powerfully than a story I'm guessing many of you had read to you as a child. Maybe you read it again as you got a little bit older. I urge you to read it several stages along in your life. It is a timeless book, children's book, about a very peculiar love and friendship, but it is a witness to us as to what it means to give of yourself. It's Charlotte's Web. That timeless book about a strange and peculiar love and friendship between a pig and a spider. E.B. White's book, many of you probably remember, has Fern, the young girl, and Wilbur, the runt pig that she saves from her father's axe. And then, of course, enters the story, Charlotte the Spider. Charlotte's Web, however, speaks to people of every season of life. It unflinchingly touches on the miracle of life, the certainty of seasons passing, and yes, even of death. But most of all, it's a story about the gift of friendship. It is a story of loving someone more than something. Near the end, if you remember, Wilbur asked Charlotte a question that maybe had troubled his heart, and he asked her, why has she helped him by spinning her webs? And do you remember her webs? One said, some pig. And another said, fantastic. Why did you spin these webs, Wilbur asks her. Why, she wonders. And then she says, because you are my friend. That is a tremendous thing. I wove my webs for you because I like you. And yes, Charlotte adds, by helping you, perhaps I was trying to lift my own life a trifle as well. Heaven knows everyone's life can stand a little of that. Heaven knows indeed. Love someone more than something. And I pray that you will love someone more than something. That you will value friendship as Charlotte the Spider did. And that you will serve others in the name of God.
And along the way, in love, in friendship, and in service, that you will show up, you will listen, and you will always laugh. Live faithfully in this way, and you just might glimpse the Spirit of God in the rhythm and pattern of your daily lives. And may God bless your lives. And truly, graduates, we pray that you will never be ashamed to confess your faith in God wherever you are, whatever you do. Peace and blessings and traveling mercies. Amen. Thank you.